When you hear that music, you know what it means. It means we're back for another episode of the Passionpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan C. Green. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for being with us every single week. Make sure you go ahead and follow me on social media at Speaks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast listener you use. We're on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts. We're even on iHeartRadio now. So we're excited about that. So thank you for all your support. We're looking forward to um, getting your support and helping you out any kind of way we can. This is the show where we help you get paid for what you know by building passion-driven revenue streams. We do have an upcoming event in February, uh, the Masterclass, our, our six-figure author, book writing, and marketing masterclass. So if you are interested, here's a little information about that. Will this finally be the year that you write your book? Hi, I'm Ryan C. Green, and as an author coach, I get asked the same two questions all the time. Question one is how do I write my book? And question two is how do I sell more books? And at the Six Figure Author Mastery Masterclass, we're gonna teach you how to do both. This upcoming class is gonna teach you on day one everything you need to know about how to write your book in three days so that you can finally get off the couch and get your book done this year. No more excuses. I'm going to show you my proven system on how to get your book done within three days so that you finally can get your book published. And then on day two, we're talking all about how to sell more books, how to go out there and maximize the revenue from your book. So if you've not written your book yet and you want to finally learn how to write your book, this is for you. If you've written a book already and you need to know how to sell more books, this is for you as well. So you can go now and register. Space is limited. We're only taking 12 people per master class. The next upcoming class is open for registration right now at www.sfamasterclass.com. That's S as in six, F as in figure, A as in author, masterclass.com. Go ahead and save your seat right now www.sfamasterclass.com. I look forward to helping you turn your $20 book into a six-figure revenue stream. And welcome back. Make sure you go ahead and register for that. If you're interested in getting your book done or selling more books, speaking of books, we have with us today a best-selling author, a coach, a a young lady who uh, I follow, and she is going to give us some phenomenal information today I'm going to go ahead and bring on Miss Amy Walker. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like we've been talking about this for a couple of years. Now we're finally getting it done. <laughs> it is. It is. We. I think it was 2015 when we met, and you had me on your show right away, mm-hmm. and then I dropped the ball mm-hmm. with my own show. and finally got back <laughs> to getting around to getting you on here, so I'm excited to have you on here. Um, as well. So I'm excited to share for you well, to share. I am excited to be here. Yeah. And I have to tell you that, you know, if this podcasting author thing doesn't work out, I think you could have a second career as a, like a DJ for slow jam music. <laughs> I'm like you got the voice for it. Appreciate that. <laughs> you know, they don't make R and B like they used to, but I, you know, I'm going to go yeah. find something, find something in my old age. Bring it back. You could bring it back. <laughs> Awesome. Amy, I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Let them know who you are. And then we're going to get into uh, a topic that is important, but a lot of people don't want to talk about it. So we're going to go ahead and do that in a second, but let everyone know who Miss Amy Walker is. Absolutely. Well, I am a small business strategist. So people a lot of times will ask what you do. And I think it's more important to understand 
my superpower. So my superpower is you tell me where you want to get, and I can see the structure to help you get it there. So I really work on end-to-end business solutions. So we work on marketing strategy, we work on sales strategy, we work on your business systems. And one of those key important parts is learning how to sell. And so that's what we're here to talk about tonight, because I know there's so many people who wish that they could avoid that part of their business. And I was there when I first got started. I remember thinking things like, gosh, if I just didn't have to sell, I could be so successful at this. You know, like I'm so good at coaching. I'm so good at speaking. I'm so good at this or that, you know, whatever it is. And I meet people like this all the time who they really, truly feel like they offer a superior service. But they struggle with converting clients. And so they, you know, they're they're not the one making the most money, even though they might actually have the best product or the best service. So that's why I wrote this new book. And I'm excited to get to talk about it and give some tips. Awesome. You know, and you, you already just for first thing, already dropping nuggets because uh, I, I've been there. You know, uh, so many people are there. And that's what we're talking about. Your book is called I'm not it's the I'm not a salesperson sales book. I love the title, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've learned a long time ago, there are only two jobs in the world. You're either a salesperson or you're in sales support. Uh, So people who think they aren't Mm -hmm. salespeople, you you probably are at some degree. So tell us about the book, why it was so important for you to write this book, and then we'll get into a little bit more about what's in the book. You know, I feel like I wrote this book for myself 15 years ago, because (laughs) as a new entrepreneur, I, you know, I remember coming in with all the hope and all the possibilities in front of me and lots of drive and willingness to work. And, and I, yeah, I struggled as an entrepreneur for years, if we're being honest. Um, and it was because I struggled to know how to convert and I kept hiding behind this. I'm not a salesperson thing. And so I, and the funny thing is I've worked harder than most people to get half of what most people would get because I just couldn't wrap my mind around mastering sales because I did not feel like a salesperson. I felt like I was really smart. I felt like I could teach people. I felt like I could educate them about my products and services. I felt like I could bring value to their organization, but that's kind of where it ended. And it was so frustrating to me feeling like, why do people not get it? Like, can't they just see that I am what they need? But the reality was, I wasn't taking them through the process of making a decision. And that's really what sales is. We have to understand that so many of the people that we talk to, their minds are full. They're full of All the junk that's on social media, they're full of worry about their relationships. They're full of worry about their finances. They're full of problems and challenges and distractions. And and minds are just fuller than they have ever been before. The other challenge you have is nobody needs you for information anymore. And so if I want to know anything about what you do, Ryan, I can go and look it up online. And I can find out all of it without ever having to talk to you. I can find out the dates of your events. I can find out your price points. I can go through your funnels. I do not need to have a conversation with you to know what you do. And so the way that people used to sell that weren't comfortable in sales was that they would just do a really good job at giving information and to be very informative. And now people don't need that anymore. So what they need is they need someone to take them through the process of making a decision. It does not mean that they need to be talked into something they don't need or want. 
does not mean that they need to be manipulated into making a decision. It just simply means that the problem we have is no longer lack of information. It's now that we have so much information in our heads, we need someone to walk us through the process of making a decision. And and that's really what sales is. And so for me and for all of the rest of you out there who feel uncomfortable and awkward and your armpits get a little bit sweaty and your stomach gets a little bit queasy when it's time to ask for the deal, this book was written for you so that you could understand the process of sales and have the scripts that you need and be comfortable and have languaging to use. And, and even just an understanding that I do not buy this concept that people are natural born salesmen or they're not. I had someone tell me about five years into my career, he said, Hey, I need you to train somebody else because you know, someone else on the team, because they're just not a natural salesperson like you are. And I was like, uh, what? Did you just say those words about me? Like, <laughs> do you know where I was when I started and how bad it was? Uh, because it legitimately took me probably four years before I could consistently close deals. I mean, it was a it felt like a it felt like a lifetime. When you're an entrepreneur who's struggling to pay the bills, four years, five years of not being able to close, it's painful. And so, I just wanted to write this book to really speak to the challenges of the majority of entrepreneurs who are, didn't come into entrepreneurship because they love sales. They came in because they love their product or they love their service. Wow. You know, and in your, while you were talking, you were explaining, I was going to ask you uh, about you know, what you, how you define sales. And you said it's about walking someone through the process. Um, now, and I want you to get into that a little deeper, but what do you think, when people say I'm not a salesperson, or I feel uncomfortable with sales. Do you think is they don't feel like they can do it? Or is there some preconceived notion of what they see a salesperson as, and they don't want to be that person? It's both. I mean, let's be honest. All of us have had that salesperson who knocks on your door, worms their foot inside, and you can't get them to leave until you buy something, right? Like right, you right. almost plunk down the cash just to get them to go. We've all experienced that. Um, I do not think that style of sales works at all in entrepreneurship because you're trying to build repeat customers and raving fans. And so I think we have to completely let go of bad sales and just look at it as what it is. That was bad sales. Was it sales? Yes, it was bad sales. And we're not trying to get great at bad sales. We're trying to get good at great sales. So we have to let that go. And then the other part of it is, there's, you know, until you've really gone through the training to know what to say, there is a lot of discomfort that happens when you've got to ask for the deal to close. And um, truthfully, if you have, if you've set the conversation up well, then you've been asking for little buy-ins through the whole conversation. So by the time you get ready to ask them to buy something, they're ready to hear it. And they're ready to tell you their answer because you've been walking through that decision-making process the whole time. But when you don't know that, it almost feel, you almost feel like you're doing a bait and switch. Like this whole time, you're just there to help, to inform, to build relationship and rapport. And now all of a sudden, you're going to be like, and by the way, I need you to buy some things from me. And it just feels awkward because you do this, this energetic switch from I'm not selling until, no, now I'm selling, and now I need you to say yes. And it shouldn't be that way. The whole process should be um, helping them learn to walk them through that process and making a decision and getting little buy-ins and little commitments and 
little steps along the way of, you know, finding out, are you on the same page? Are they with you? Are you, is, is what I'm saying sounding good to you? Is this making sense? You know, like all those little buy-ins that you do along the way. So when you get to the point of asking them where, if they want to work with you, that should be a really easy answer for them to say. Should be a pretty clear yes, or should be a pretty clear no, or it should be a, I want to, but I have to overcome this concern. And, and that's really where you want to get it to is that that ask isn't a big, huge deal because you've been setting it up for the whole conversation. Absolutely. Now, talk to us uh, about how can people uh, gain their own confidence in getting to that place? Uh, you know, I've and I've done sales a lot in my life as well. And I've, I've done sales training. And just like you said, you have people. There's some people who can. Uh, do great presentations, but then they struggle to close and ask for the sale. There's others who just want to do ask mm-hmm. for the sale and they don't have, they struggle in building that rapport and doing a presentation. Uh, mm-hmm. But how do you, from either side, help uh, those people gain that confidence into really being able to do the whole uh, process and really be able to show value, create that rapport and ask for the sale and close? Yeah, so this is a little tricky because here's the reality. If you're not closing deals, you're going to not feel real confident in your sales abilities, right? Because you're like, well, obviously I'm not good at it because I'm not closing deals. And if you are closing deals, you feel confident. So how do we bridge that gap in order to get there? It really takes three things for sales to work. You've got to have your mindset in the right place, and you have to work on your mindset. So that means every day you're doing sales declarations. Um, Every day you're listening to positive things that are going to help you feel abundant and powerful. Every day you're feeding your brain with positivity. And, And when you come up with fears or negative thoughts, you know how to process them and move out. So that's the mindset piece. The second piece is your skill set. You really need to equip yourself with the skills, the right scripts, the right templates, the right um, knowing how to overcome objections, knowing how to how to qualify your leads so that you're not having full-on sales conversations with people who are never, ever, ever going to be a good customer for you. Because I promise you're not going to close them, and it's just going to feed that belief that you can't do this. So it's learning all those tactile skills of sales. And then the third piece is activity. I have met people who have been to so many sales trainings. I'm like, really? Like another one? And they're still not taking action. And what happens is you get really frozen in fear when you don't take action. So you've got to be out there having conversations with people. And it's through the doing that you really learn and master sales. So when you have those three things happening, your mindset is good, your skill set is good, your activity level is good. Um, then you create results. And I, and I really do believe that the results feed the confidence. You can, by working on those three things, you will start to feel yourself feeling more confident in trying and attempting, and you'll see yourself getting closer. But I'm telling you, when you start consistently closing deals, it just becomes second nature to you. And you don't have to constantly have that up and down with your confidence. Like you're not constantly having to, Ooh, I got a sales call. I got to gear myself up for it. I don't have to do that anymore because I am confident in my ability to produce consistent results. Um, and that came through those three areas. Wow. Do you feel, uh, cause I, you know, like I said, I've been through a lot of training, so you hear so many different things. Do you feel like, uh, well, what's your position? I'll, I'll put it that way. What is your position when it comes to uh, dealing with that rejection? Um, and those who probably, you know, now, how do you tell them not to take it personally when it, 
because every sale, you're not going to close every sale, but I know a lot of people feel they start when they go in with the idea, I'm not a salesperson already. Uh, as soon as they get a rejection, then they take that personally and mm-hmm. think that the person is, you know, doesn't like them or there's something wrong with them. Uh, what do you tell your clients about how to overcome that aspect of feeling, you know, taking every rejection personally? You know, this has been an evolution for me because in the beginning, I took everything so personally. Like someone could say, you know, I don't, I'm not interested. And I would like internally cry about it for months. You know, like wow. I took everything so personally. And so in the beginning, I had little tricks that I would do that would make me feel a little bit better about it. And I would be like, well, too bad for you. I didn't want to work with you anyway. And I'd get a little bit of sass in my mind just to, to try to postpone the inevitable rejection but what I'll tell you is it might have postponed it a little bit but it still stung and so what I have honestly learned to do is I take time to really affirm myself my belief in myself strengthen my relationship with myself and I really have to put effort on what's real in my life so a person who has known me for a 60-minute phone call Am I going to let their rejection negate the wonderful, magnificent relationships that I have in my life? And the fact that my clients, you know, I have a client who was sending me a video message and she was, as she was ending it, she's like, I just want you to know how much I love you and how much of a difference you make in my life. So am I going to let that moment with somebody who really doesn't even know me yet? And I don't even know why they're saying no, you know, it doesn't really matter, but they're saying no. Am I going to let that take away from everything that's real, which is that my clients love working with me and I have great relationships. I'm a pretty nice, likable, good person. So I think the more that you just strengthen your belief and your grace with who you are and your love of self, the more that that stuff starts to slide away. I mean, I can give you all the like affirmations to use and the go after the nose and give yourself a contest, you know, to get to the first 50 nose. And I can give you those little tricks that we give to new salespeople. But in reality, if you love you, rejection, it rolls off your back. It really does. And if you're struggling to love you, it's almost like every rejection just pricks that little sore spot in your soul and it feels so much bigger than it is. And so my goal is that I don't hold on to those. I'm not perfect at it. Like, let's be clear. I'm aware of my faults and flaws. Um, but I try to give myself some grace and, and focus on the good parts of me and, and the wonderful things that I love about myself. And then it helps that rejection and disappointment to just roll off a little bit easier. Wow. Good stuff there. Good stuff. You know, um, in the book that you, you talk about, um, and I was looking through it and this one kind of, I want to get, talk, touch on one of your overcoming objections. And then we're going to get into some power phrases you want to share with the audience. But this one was always a favorite mm-hmm. of mine. And if you can just kind of give us a little insight on this one, uh, overcoming the spouse objection. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> First of all, I'm a major script nerd. So I love writing sales scripts. Awesome. Um, in fact, there's quite a few scripts in the book. And my editor was like, yeah, I think you need to put the scripts in the appendix because they're not real readable. Like they're really usable. But like nobody wants to read a whole chapter on scripts. I was like, oh, well, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I love that. I love that script because I think 
that one comes up and they say, well, yeah, it sounds really good. I need to talk to my spouse first. And I think those of us who are married immediately are like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense because I talk to my spouse about my important decisions as well. Mm-hmm. And they leave it right there. And what happens is the person walks out the door and they don't know really what's the story. Is the person, A, not interested and they're just using their their spouse as an excuse so that they can text you later and say, sorry, hub says no. Um, are they interested and they think it's going to be fine with their spouse or are they interested that they know their spouse is going to be opposed to it? So we want more information and we want to really equip that person to be able to leave with, um, you know, the right strategy because each of those three examples is going to be a different strategy. So what I do when I'm overcoming objections, I always do the same four things. The first thing I do is I acknowledge what they just said then I ask a question, then I get permission, and then I share information. And so what I would do is I would say, so, okay, so it sounds like you are interested, but you just need to talk with your spouse first. Does that sound right? And they'll say, yeah, absolutely. I say, okay, great. So what do you think your spouse will say? So that's my question. What do you think your spouse will say? And then based on what they come back with, I'm going to take that conversation in a different place. So if they say, well, my, my husband's going to say yes, do we just always run these things past each other first? I say, great. Well, let's go ahead and get all the paperwork filled out while we're here together. It will save us both some time of needing to you know, meet up again. And then I'll just wait to process it until after you've had a chance to talk with your spouse. Does that work for you? And most of those, you'll close that night. Like They're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Easy. You, a third of the people, you're going to close them right there. If the spouse has concerns, then what we're going to say is, well, do I have permission to throw an idea out there? Um, What if the three of us got on a call and we talked this through together? So that way you aren't having to try to remember everything we talked about and pass on secondhand information. I can answer all the questions that he or she has directly. Would that be helpful? And then we get on a call. No big deal. And then if the spouse is going to likely say no, um, I will actually give them a simple script to be able to use with their spouse. So, um, and what it's based around, I'm not going to go through all of it because you guys, I'm going to give you all the book for free and you can go look that up. But what it's based around is the difference between asking for permission and asking for support. Um, I have been married for 19 years. We just had our 19th anniversary. Congrats. We are so night and day different. My husband loves security and stability and he's slow paced. And I am fast and love risk and love change and I can tell you there are a lot of times where we're not on the same page. And the goal as a couple is to get on the same page. And so we, I don't, my kids ask me for permission. I don't ask my husband for permission. He doesn't ask me for permission. What we do is we ask for support. And there's a big difference in the way that conversation flows because it changes the dynamic from, can I do this? No. And then you're mad at your spouse because they won't let you do what you want to do versus, hey, this is something I really want. This is why it's important to me. This is what my game plan is. Will you support me in that? And if they're like, I don't know if I can, then you can actually talk about creating the right context and you meet each other in the middle. That is what marriage is all about. You know, it's about finding the way to be able to support each other and be on the same page when you're two totally different people. So it's a much more positive conversation that you send them home to have 
And I learned that after having a conversation with somebody who her husband slept on the couch for a week after he said no. So oh, wow. I was like, oh, <laughs> we got to figure out a more positive way to do this. That's awesome. You got sales training and marriage counseling all in one. That's awesome. That, that was <laughs> that was really good information there. So I want you to go ahead and let's um, talk about some of these power phrases or some, something that you can give people. That was, you know, one right there. You just gave us, a, you know, some script that was really good. Uh, but anything else you want to give someone who might be listening? Yeah, there's, you know, there's a couple of power phrases in my high ticket sales scripts that I just wanted to bring out today because it makes a world of difference. So um, one of them is when you're getting to the, uh, into the problem solving spot part of your script, one of the things that I do is I say, now I want you to take a step back, look at the big picture and tell me, what do you see as the problem? What that allows your client to do is they claim their problem. You need them to claim the problem because if you're telling them the problem, they can choose to say, no, that's not my problem. But if they claim what the problem is, then you can, from that point forward, use that problem in the script. And they can't come back and say, well, it's not really a problem because they're the one that came up with it. And that, that's one of the big principles of sales is you want to ask a lot of questions because the more that the client says their truth, the more that it becomes irrefutable in their mind. And it makes it so much easier to close the deal. It's like they're closing themselves um, and, and they're talking themselves into it. And I've had, I've, I had someone say that once. She said, what are you doing? Because like I'm talking myself into buying from you. And I said, I'm just helping you get clear on what you want, but I'm happy to teach you the same process. And so um, that's one that I think is really powerful. Another one is when you are in the closing process. So now you've identified the problem, you've gone over what the solution is, and now you're going to get ready to um, get them to make some changes and get them to make some commitments. So what I do is I ask the question as we've, you know, we've talked about the problem in depth. I'm going to say, all right, so we're going to shift directions right now. And the next questions I'm going to ask you might be a little bit uncomfortable. Is that okay? I always like to get permission because as soon as they say yes, they're more open. And I'll ask, well, how long has this been an issue? And that is a really telling thing for people. Like, I feel like this has been an issue my entire career, 20 years, 10 years, three years, two years, six months. And then I'll ask the question, what is it costing you? Now, this is a really critical question because it shifts the way they think about the purchase. Most people purchase with a backwards mindset. They look at the cost of the solution. The cost of the solution, I will tell all of you listening today, is so much, it, it, the cost of the problem is the cost that's astronomical. If I have a problem in my business that's costing me $1,000 a month, that's $12,000 a year. Some of you have problems in your business that are costing you $10,000 a month. That is tremendously expensive. And yet you turn up your nose at like $1,000, $5,000, $10,000 program. I mean, I have a client who paid me $15,000 and she made that money back in the first month. So from here on out, it's net profit, right? Like we look at that really backwards. So what you're doing here is you're trying to get them to think about it differently trying to get them to think about how much does the does the problem cost them and then you can ask them and what would you gain by solving these challenges and so now they're thinking cost of problem value of solution 
You need to do that before you talk about pricing of your program, because otherwise what they'll do is that you'll say, well, what do you think? Do you want to work together? And they'll go, well, how much does it cost? And, and that's as far as you get. And as soon as they hear the number, they either like it or they don't. And they haven't created in their mind a value proposition. So you have to define the value before you talk pricing. And then my last power phrase, do I have time for one more? Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Because you know I could talk all night. <laughs> okay. I'm taking notes. You so go right before, ahead. <laughs> before I tell, talking for long periods of time is never my issue with getting things done on time. <laughs> so um, before I talk to them about the, um, the program or about the product details, I ask them the question. I say, so, you know, are you committed? I say, it sounds like you've got a lot of reasons why you should do this. Um, are you committed to change? And and I'm asking them right here if they're and, and sometimes people are funny. They'll be like, "Well, how much does it cost?" I'm like, "No, I'm not talking about my program. I'm talking about are you committed to solving the problem of your business?" Because somebody who is not committed to solving the problem is not going to be closable. Um, two years ago, I lost 40 pounds, uh, and I did it because I went to the doctor. And I weighed the same amount that I had weighed right before giving birth to my last baby. And I was like, okay, this is not okay. I'm carrying a human. (laughs) I finally hit a number that I was not okay with. Now, for two years before that, I had been interested in losing weight. But it wasn't until that moment that I was committed to my health. And until I was committed, I was not closable. Once I was committed, I was closable. And so that gives people a moment to kind of check in with themselves and decide, am I committed to doing something about this? Am I committed to learning how to sell? Am I committed to learning how to acquire the right types of clients for me? Am I committed to this being a year where I'm truly profitable in business? If they're not committed to those things, then I don't proceed to tell them about my products or services. I just let them know. I say, you know what? I respect that. And I understand that that's where you're at. I'm probably not going to be a fit for you. um, But if that changes and you hit a point where where you are committed, I'd love to talk with you. And if they are committed, then I say, great. Well, can I share with you how you could work with me on that? Now, they're committed to their program. And I'm just, uh, or they're committed, sorry, to whatever their challenge is. And I am just somebody who offers a service that can help them. And so it shifts the dynamic. But now it's all about getting them what they want, what they've committed to solving their problem. And it becomes about them instead of it being about me. So that's really where you get to excel in service-based sales is really, truly making it all about the client the whole way through. Man, Amy, we're going to have to bring you back again because I think we just got started. And some of the things that you're discussing are going to really set a whole lot of entrepreneurs, a whole lot of business owners free uh, and down the, the, the right course of, of profitability. I want to give you a chance to give your contact information and any closing uh, words you want to give to the audience. Absolutely. So I want to give everybody my book for free. Um, when I wrote this book, I knew from the get-go, I wanted more people to get it for free. You can buy it on Amazon. It's great. If you you know like the hard copy, you're welcome to. But I want to give you all a digital copy for free because I just honestly want you to sell more. So if you go to... Um, salesaremything.com, www.salesaremything.com. You can go ahead and get a copy of the book for free. 
and um, and you'll just get that that digital download that you can use. You can start reading, start getting the sales uh, templates right away. And I hope that you will get it and that you'll start using it. And then as you do that, that will get you into my community. And I, you know, I create business training videos every single week that I send out links to. Um, I have a lot of great resources that I hope that you will plug into and really get committed to building your business this year. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, make sure you guys go ahead and, and get that. You know, when I bring on a guest and they're giving away free stuff, you better take advantage of it. www.salesaremything.com. Miss Amy Walker, thank you so much. So glad we finally got you on the show. And I'm going to let you know now. You're welcome. I'm going to be bothering you because we're going to be working together again real soon. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I, I always have so much content. I feel like my challenge is just getting it all out there. So I always appreciate a chance to share. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Passionpreneur Podcast. If you liked it, tell someone else about it. Go ahead and share it out. And also make sure you click that subscribe button and follow us and listen to every week's episode. I am your host, Ryan C. Green. You can reach me at www.ryancgreen.com. Follow me on all social media at Raji Speaks. I look forward to working with you, talking to you soon. And just remember, if the best part about going to work is getting off of work, it's time to become a passionpreneur. Passionpreneur.